a lot of my schools were having great wins, but they weren't really visibly tracking those wins or recording those wins. And, you know, I think that when the data is visible and we can actually see those wins and see the number of students we're affecting, it makes such a difference in our motivation and our persistence. And so I think that's important. And I also think it generates shared ownership and it it diminishes some of that we, they, you know, it wasn't the leadership team's project. It was the school project. And so the more the data became visible and the more they could see the changes, the more they started using language around it. And it was really powerful. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. I mentioned in episodes 185 and 187, while I joined my colleagues, Dr. Pat Greco and Dr. Joanne Sternke, that we'll launch an extension of our services this summer, the Virtual Destination High Performance Academy, or what we call DHP Academy. This summer, we'll begin working with two of the superintendents featured in the School Administrator magazine. We chronicled on the podcast last month. The two superintendents will partner with us to execute and work toward hardwiring a classroom improvement model. Joining us on our show today is another leader coach and expert in classroom improvement, Dr. Kathy Oropalo. Other content developers and DHP faculty and coaches will join me over the next several weeks to be Dr. K.K. Owen and Dr. Holly Ellis. Kathy's unique work experience crosses public, private, and nonprofits educational sectors. She brings a unique and diverse perspective as she collaborates and partners with transformational leaders and high-performing organizations and systems. Kathy previously served as the Florida Department of Education Director of Reading First Professional Development. In this role, she managed federal grants and delivered professional services to all 67 counties in Florida, building long-lasting relationships with educators in Florida and across the country. And that's where I got to know Kathy years ago. Kathy also has a deep passion for designing unique adult and student learning experiences. As a curriculum designer, she is gained hours of school improvement experience in some of the most challenging demographics in the U.S., including large urban districts and small and rural districts as well. She did that while achieving consistent results in student achievement, school transformation, and sustainability. She's developed and published materials and professional learning for thousands of educators around the country, built on a strong knowledge foundation of learning and brain-based sciences, as well as improvement science. Kathy has delivered more than 7,000 hours in, it's hard to believe, Kathy, in professional development and learning with leaders and educators around the country. This experience in adult learning constantly reminds her that we are all learners and eagerly drives her to continuously wonder and grow beside these very important educational leaders and thought partners. And it's my great pleasure today to to welcome to the show my colleague and friend, Dr. Kathy Oropala. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Janet. Glad to be here. So let's start, Kathy. Let's start with discussing why classroom improvement is is critical for staff and why we find this topic to be one that is fundamental for organizational excellence, because we know how important that's going to be as we enter the new school year. Always has been, even more now. So what do you think, Kathy? So that's a great question. You know, classroom improvement is, is continuous improvement, builds the important fundamentals of 
excellence, whether it's organizational or in general, because there's really three important things I think it does. One, it helps people be accountable in the sense that you can count on me and do my, um, to do my part. It's about reliability. And I think that follow through of doing what we said we're going to do and that consistency of helping us establish routines and processes that turn into behaviors that are habits. And I think all of that helps us execute improvement. I think it also helps us define what matters so we can rally around shared outcomes. And I think that's so important that we all feel ownership in the outcomes. And like Hattie talks about, it leverages collective expertise. You know, this concept of collective, it's kind of the seeds of collective of efficacy that it builds that shared belief that we can make a difference in our schools. And I think that has a positive impact on student learning. And last, I think it kind of focuses us on student progression where we can build momentum through small wins that lead us to the larger outcomes that we're all kind of striving for. Yeah. And I think, you know, Kathy, as we continue to talk on our team, you know, it, it is about student success and student achievement. And it reminds me what you're talking about is it's, it's important for us to also help students build confidence in themselves and their learning. And I think going back to Hattie's research, you know, it shows it's important as well. You know, so the classroom improvement piece, I mean, it engages teachers, but I think what you're saying to us is, you know, it's a way to engage our students in the learning as well so that they can take ownership of their learning. Is, is that right from your perspective? Yeah, that's a central part of it, that we're helping students understand what improvement looks like and sounds like, where they are, where to go next. Hattie calls that feeding forward. and uh, a lot of the strategies we use with the students in the classroom as we're working on classroom improvement are simple strategies, things like a plus delta and, um, you know, helping them think what worked for them, what didn't work for them, just helping them really think about learning and setting small goals, just like just like our teachers are doing as they work towards larger goals of improvement as a school. Yeah, that's good. You know, you're starting to share a little bit of kind of what that looks like, Kathy. So for our listeners, you know, can you give some examples of what that school improvement work looks like, the tools, the processes that, you know, that really make a difference? Yeah, I think there's lots of high yield strategies out there, but I think there are some simple things that we can use. And one example is the plus delta, where we look at what's working and what's not working. I think there's some really powerful ways to to talk to students about their own learning. We do, you know, simple formatives, you know, things that they can do like pre and post tests, but but also I think putting it in the larger picture of how how we can identify what's working well for students and then how we can plan around where they're not being successful so that we can come together as an improvement team to work around that. Some examples of what I'm working with two schools and they're both at middle schools with similar demographics, about 98% free and reduced lunch. And, you know, as we began that improvement work, we really focused around things that, that were simple that we, we kind of collect every day and then how we cascade that information across the system and then how we can also begin to engage teachers and engaging students in that work. So, you know, we look at things like surprisingly, 80% of uh, greater student attendance. We look at things like course completion or assignment completion, or are they meeting their academic milestones at, at their grade level? And by just using a few measures to kind of track along the way and then work with students to, to get their perspective on those things, we're able to see some really great progress. And, and we do that through short cycles of improvement. So we 
basically we, we report out every 30 days as an improvement team, but we also in between that 30 to 30, we work on executing strategies around that. So I can tell you a couple of stories that I think are really powerful. It'd be great. You know, as, as we started, you, you, you know that we were in the midst of, you know, COVID-19 transitions. So these schools had a hybrid model. They had some remote students and they had some students working face-to-face. And one of the things that we did was we started with a plus delta to look at what was working and where they felt change was needed. And chronic absenteeism came up as a topic. And one of the things they did when they began to collect attendance is they realized they hadn't even had a definition for attendance. So what was, what was student engagement going to be considered as? And then what, what were they going to define attendance as? And they realized quickly that they weren't tracking attendance in the same way they always had for remote learners. And they also didn't know really how to define attendance for the hybrid learning, because when students showed up, sometimes they were there day one, but on day two, they weren't there. And so they were, they were playing around with that. And what they noticed as they began to track that is large numbers of students were enrolled, but actually not attending either way. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of called those our lost kids, right? Yeah. And we're really, we're really concerned. And, and we're talking about in a building of 600 kids, over 100 kids really not showing up at all. Mm-hmm. So what that prompted was, you know, we talk about that collective expertise and that efficacy. These teachers were on the improvement team. It was teachers. It was assistant principals. It was counselors, principal, instructional coaches. They made it their mission to find out what was going on. And so they began to, uh, you know, began to talk to kids. They began to talk to friends of families. They began to make home visits. They began to make calls. And so within a year's time, slow progress from quarter to quarter, we saw a tremendous improvement. The second part of that story is really interesting because they also determined that once they re-engaged kids, that they had to define what they would do to make up work, right? Mm -hmm. So- So they couldn't make up every assignment they had missed. Otherwise, they would have disengaged those kids (laughs) quickly. So so what they ended up having to do is, first of all, they had to define what success would look like for those kids. And they also had to go back to the content and say, okay, what would be the key curriculum or or the coursework that would represent those academic milestones that they missed? And they began to develop recovery packets. Um, for those kids. And what they noticed in the data that they collected over the course of this year was that over time, they were asking for less and less recovery packets because they were engaging more and more students. And their, their, their calls and their home visit campaigns actually had got kids in school and helped. Another really important thing that happened that I think is really important with improvement is they cascaded the information. The improvement team did a lot of the work and the strategizing. But quarterly, they did data meetings with teachers and they included the teachers, they shared the data with teachers and then they included uh, their voice with Plus Delta and some other tools to, to see you know, what was their thoughts around student engagement and did they have personal connections with some of these kids and how they could leverage that? And then how could they teach them some of these pieces of improvement that they themselves were learning by setting goals and by incentivizing things and by using the Plus Delta and gathering student voice as well? And so some of the solutions that teachers came up with were great. 
that if they completed their assignments during the week, so to meet their assignment milestones and their completion milestones, they gave them a free Friday, which allowed them to have a day where they could choose what they were doing and also a space for teachers to work one-on-one with students who needed Mm. more recovery work. And so it was a pretty powerful example of that short cycle work, those small wins over time, and how they were able to track that. Yeah, great example, Kathy. What I really like about the example is, is the, I mean, the results that are there are significant, but everyone, I mean, teachers, leaders, students, probably families connected to that, you know, they all had collective input into moving forward, you know, through that improvement process in some way. Um, So everybody became owners in that process to achieve those results. So really, really great example. And and, uh, congratulations to that school for the work they've done there. So as we continue to do this work, I know you find that leaders and teams struggle a little bit with the classroom improvement. You know, where do you find that they struggle and how do you kind of coach them through those struggles to be successful? Well, to go back to the tool of weekly huddles and, you know, the 30-day huddles, the work that you shared, in fact, on an earlier podcast is significant, but the key is to make that, uh, you know, kind of a sacred time so that that doesn't get scheduled over or interrupted. And I found that the the schools that were continuing to do that and really staying consistent with that had good results. The ones that kind of canceled meetings and rescheduled them didn't have the same momentum as the others. And I think that what we did was we just talked about the importance of that time for execution and that we, we focused on making sure that things were on the calendar and consistent. And I think that made a big difference. The other thing that I think is a really common thing, but really important, is keeping data visible. A lot of my schools were having great wins, but they weren't really visibly tracking those wins or recording those wins. And, you know, I think that when the data is visible and we can actually see those wins and see the number of students we're affecting, it makes such a difference in our motivation and our Mm -hmm. persistence. And so I think that's important. And I also think it generates shared ownership and it, it diminishes some of that we, they, you know, it wasn't the leadership team's project. It was the school project. And so the more the data became visible and the more they could see the changes, the more they started using language around it. And it was really powerful. And I would say the other piece and very important is just how important the leader is in a school. You know, when the leaders empower their teams to do the work, that cascades throughout the school and teachers begin to empower students to do the work. When they find that really great fine line of leading and being that warm demander, but also letting go of the reins and letting people do what they do best and build that collective expertise, it's a really powerful experience. So sometimes coaching is around that fine line and around that encouragement to, to trust and to let go and to engage in the learning beside the staff. And it's really powerful. Yeah, that's good. You know, it kind of connects me back a little bit to, I love the the aspect of creative tension and, you know, when to pull and when to let go, Kathy. And I think that's that's really part of the good coaching aspect. I mean, coaching from, from our coaching to others, coaching from teachers with students, students coaching each other. But it is, when do, when do we need to really build that tension in there? And then when do we let go? And then how do we recognize and look at the bright spots along the way to keep the motivation going? So just great, great work that you're doing and the work that you're doing with 
the partner. Always been significant, like I said, but going to be even more significant as we begin to move back into to a place that's going to be new for us as we move out of COVID. You know, speaking of that, we, we've had to manage and adapt ourselves as a team. One of the uh, things that we've been able to do is build more of a virtual presence. So as we've learned from that, we're going to apply that to create a series of new online lessons centered around classroom improvement and school improvement as one factor that's going to be part of Destination High Performance Academy. So as we close today, can you share with our listeners why you feel that the DHP Academy will be able to support their desire to implement classroom improvement? Because I know you're a big part of the application of this first wave of ours. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things it does is it provides some really good, valuable content around the why, the what, and the how of improvement, which is really important fundamentals. But then the asynchronous model of learning on demand for the user, it allows them to learn and process and go back and review on their own time. And so that resource is there for them in a powerful learning tool. But I also think it also can generate some great conversation beyond the tool. And then one of my favorite parts of it is that it presents the critical questions like, you know, what are the questions along the way that move the improvement process forward? And so some of the some of that content is designed around that piece. And then, of course, how do we keep that progress visible as we go through it? And so there's some great strategies like our stoplight strategy and our scorecard as a way to really keep data and progress visible. And then finally, I think this is just a, a something I've talked about with, with leaders is that it provides a really seamless onboarding process. Yes. So as you have people coming in and entering your system, and we know that's uneven, it doesn't happen at one time throughout the year, it happens throughout the year and from year to year, it gives them a chance to learn those basic improvement fundamentals and also the language of the improvement process that we use. So I think, I think it's just a, such a valuable tool at so many levels. So Kathy, thank you so much. You know, I, I'll never forget the first connection that we made after years of not seeing each other, you know, working with each other across the state and we connected with each other and you were sharing, you know, the scorecard that you were applying from the learnings with the work that you were doing. And so you were just a natural you know, with really the focus with leaders and the focus with classroom improvement and school improvement. You've dedicated your life to that. And we're so glad to have you part of our team to work with us and to work with the people that we get an opportunity to work with each and every day. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Janet. It was great to join you for one of these. Perfect. So thank you all for tuning in to listen today. I think you can see so so many takeaways from looking at the, the classroom and school improvement piece. And you know, I think Kathy shared a couple of ideas, not a couple, a number of ideas that you could probably go back and listen to and jot down and, and hope that you're able to continue to connect with us because the learning is extremely important as we enter the new school year. We'll all be learning together. And that's what I like about this work is, is every day it's new learning for me and I know our team and we get to work side by side with you all as we as we do that work. So again, I just appreciate Kathy's contribution to our team and contribution today. Now, just as a reminder too, speaking of our 
partner organizations. We're featuring our partner executives on our Tuesday roundtables this summer. It's one of the highlights of our summer. So join us to learn from them. You can learn from them in terms of what they're doing, learn a tactic or two to learn more about our upcoming virtual events like our leader roundtables and our What's Right in Education conference will hold in October. Please visit us at studereducation.com slash events. As always, I thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week, everyone.